0: So, where's the child? We ate him. Because we are demons, and we eat children, and I haven't had my supper yet. Welcome to another episode of Delta Flyer. I'm Thad Haight. I'm Stuart Hollis. And this week, we're going to talk about Time and Again. Time and Again. Time and Again. So our synopsis, and we're going to take it from memory alpha, because TV Guide, they let us down so often with Stargate Weekly. Uh, hey, by the way, we've we another podcast, Stargate Weekly, check us out. Uh, so, from Memory Alpha, While investigating a massive explosion that destroyed all life on a planet, Janeway and Paris are swept back a day in time where they must prevent the explosion. I mean, that's a pretty fair explanation of what happens. Yeah, more or less. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, this episode starts on the Bridge of Voyager. As so many do. As so many do. And Paris tells Janeway they're approaching a new star system. And then he goes up to have a creepy conversation with Harry. All right, it's not that creepy. It's Paris is asking Harry to be a bro. Okay. So Paris goes up to Harry because we're the only humans out here. People are going to start coupling off. And the Delaney sisters are twins, so it has to be a double date, and I need you to come with me. And Harry gives some boring reason about, like, recalibrating his sister diagnostics or something. And that he has a girl back home who is, apparently doesn't know he's still alive, but is going to wait 70 years anyway. Uh, right, exactly. What is that? that's just unreasonable you can't ask someone you can't expect someone because obviously he can't ask her because (laughs) he's seventy thousand light years away he can't ask her to wait for him and if he did he'd be a terrible person for doing it you can't ask someone to wait 70 years for you yeah i'm completely on board with tom on this one let her go let her get married be happy have kids all that jazz Sure, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Kim needs to go out and be with the Delaney sisters. Kim doesn't need to be with either of the Delaney sisters. Kim just needs to be there and be a bro for Tom Paris, while Tom Paris tries to get with one or both of the Delaney sisters and he, you know, with his lights, sp- like... With his approaching women at warp speed? Yes, that. They must be in visual range. Well, but- they're not yet, because Harry won't tag along. ha <laughs> ha. So, there is a little bit of weirdness there, though, because why does it have to be a double date? Because they're twins. This is not... This isn't hard. <laughs> Although, that said, if they do... They are twins who work on the same ship in the same department. Maybe they really do do everything together. Heh <laughs> Do-do. But... <laughs> okay. You know, at the end of the day, this is why Harry is still an ensign. If he's not willing to help out a fellow officer in need. <laughs> if he's not willing to put aside his inner static or whatever it was diagnostic toolkit, then, you know what? Fine. Sit behind your silly console forever. Play your clarinet. Harumph. Yeah, there is that. It is a trans diagnostic. Thank you. So, right about then, there's a shockwave. Everybody shake. Indeed. And we see Kes waking up. And clutching her head, so she presumably had some sort of telepathic thing. Yes. Now we learn that it is there was a wave of polaric ions. Yes, I am willing to wager that this is going to be the first and only episode in the history of Star Trek that mentions polaric anything. You would be correct, which is... Impressive because it's impressive for Star Trek because Star Trek loves its techno babble, but usually they do repeat stuff. And in this case, no, polaric ions, despite the fact that everybody talks about them like this thing that everyone knows about, never get mentioned again, ever. So, something that got me just before we find out about the polaric ions, by the way, did you know that polaric energy is bad and dangerous and polaric, 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 polaric? polaric? Polaric, uh, polaric. Uh, Once Tom gets back into his chair And Janeway stops clutching one of the consoles She's saying Mr. Paris, can you identify the source of the wave? Why is it the helmsman's job? That should really be Kim's job But maybe he's still running that translator diagnostic Well no, he's busy reporting that there was a minor hole breach on deck 3 And it's already been sealed He's, he's all wrapped up in that problem Minor hull bridge on deck three contained. Shields are holding. But Kim or Tuvok would both be more that job than Paris. They need, to, they need to sort out who does what on this bridge. Unless, maybe it's because since Paris is doing the navigating, he knows where all the st- stuff in the area is. Are you telling me the Helmsman is also responsible for navigating the ship? That's ridiculous. That's no way to run an operation. Well, there is no separate navigator. You have to toss. Is the computer navigating? Uh, No, because the the helmsman definitely sets courses. Because, you know, Mr. Paris set a course for home. Okay, so we find out about all that polaric energy and how bad it is. And they're scanning the big old M-class planet that's at the source of the polaric shockwave. And Chakotay is telling us that he's detecting a global aqueduct system. What? Why would it be, like... Why would you have a global aqueduct system? Yeah. Why would you even have a global water system? I don't even know. You would think that would be much more... That would be a regional thing. Yeah, I don't even know if, like, you could even have... I don't even know if you have, like, statewide water systems. Ah. Maybe? Maybe. But I I don't think so. I mean, there has to be a way... You have to to some degree. There has to be some sort of way of getting water from large freshwater bodies down into a state right or do you think it's all regional i think it's most pretty much all regional at least around here it's regional i mean like fluid dynamic questions yeah sure i know like i don't know like 20 different engineers or something they could all answer that question but where does water come from i don't know <laughs> well when a hydrogen and an oxygen atom love each other very much oh i'm sorry when two hydrogen <laughs> and an oxygen oh kinky <laughs> yeah So then they send their first away team down to the planet. Yes. Oh, we did, we skipped over the fact that Neelix is useless. Oh, yeah, no, he is. Mr. Neelix, do you know anything in this area? Well, I don't know. Though, to be fair, in Neelix's defense, since this is a pre-warp civilization, he would have no reason to know the people in this area. Yeah, they're not just pre-warp, they're pre-putting things in space. yeah. Because Chakotay was also saying there were no satellites detected. Right. Long before humans were warping Star Trek canon, we were throwing crap up into space to spin around for however long. About 100 years before, yeah. I mean, easily. I mean, what? When When was Warp Drive developed? Uh, like, 2060, 2063, I believe. Yeah, then almost exactly 100 years. Like, yeah. slightly more than 100 years, but yeah. I mean, that feels like a big step, just in terms that we went Wright brothers to putting a man on the moon in 65 years and then having to wait another hundred to get warp drive that's a little that's a little lame but oh well yes april 5th 2063 then yeah about 100 years from 110 maybe from sputnik yeah it was in the 50s yeah so yeah we got you know we have that to probably look forward to in our lives if we don't die in world war three so I got to tell you, in addition to Neelix being useless as a guide, I also was not really happy with how he dealt with Kess in her post. Just run along, sweetie. The, the the grownups are talking. No, not that. But that he's doing this kind, he's trying to reassure her about her telepathic episode. Mm-hmm. But he's not really doing a very good job with it. And he also is like almost gaslighting her. In the process, like maybe you didn't really do this. Yeah, like you know, oh well, you know, you were asleep when the shockwave happened and it jolted you awake. Or, well, no one believes those stories about your people being telepaths. Or telepathy is actually this, not this other thing you experienced. Okay, forget. Sort of. He was act- He was actively gaslighting her. Yeah. Well, I don't think he was doing it out of any sense of. Like, he probably didn't believe that she was really doing it. Gaslighting is done maliciously to try to make someone believe something that's not true. If you don't think it's true, it's not gaslighting. If the if the gaslighter also believe, believes oh, okay. their... So, so, yeah, so what do you call it if someone, you know, like walks like a gaslighter, talks like a gaslighter, but doesn't quack like a gaslighter? Yeah, I don't know. But it's not gaslighting. Okay, then we're back to sort of gaslighting, because from all outside appearances. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that was not the best. So anyway, we go down to the planet. It's uh, Tuvok, uh, Janeway, Paris, and Torres, because we're continuing the long story tradition on Star Trek of, well, we gotta put the main characters in the landing party. Well, yeah, I mean, we can't just have, you know, we can't have a bunch of rickies down there. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And that's when Torres points out that the entire surface of the planet was just seared. See, that's what traps in the flavor. That's a myth. Okay. How many times are you allowed to flip the planet during cooking though? Ooh, as few as possible. We'll see. There's two schools of thought, to my to, to my re- recollection, which is that one is as few times as possible. The other one is like, eh, mm. flip as much as you want. Who cares? Mm. But I think you're right. Searing does not trap in the flavor. It just does the Maillard reaction, or whatever yes. it is. You know what else is a myth? Sauce. Sauce is a myth. <laughs> I love tripe. See, it was me putting in the, the West Wing reference for once. I'm proud of you. <laughs> well done. It's the only one you know, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> no, I also know Toby Ziegler. I work for the White House. <laughs> Same, Same episode. episode. <laughs> it doesn't count. While they're also down on the planet, Paris finds this frozen in time timepiece. Frozen in timepiece. Nice. And it's a digital like That clock? still shows the screen, apparently. But yeah. it's Frozen and the, I forgot to write it down every time I watched the episode but it was like 400 something was the first four, zero, one, two two eight four. okay thank you and that's that matters because later something else is going to come up but it's just it's just weird that it's frozen in time like that yeah cuz if it was broken the screen should just be off yeah and i get that's like such a thing is like Go to a museum, and here's this watch that was found in the rubble, stopped at the moment of... But that watch wasn't digital. When the building collapsed, or the bomb went off, or... But it could have been some sort of alien e-ink. You don't know. It didn't look like that. It looked like standard 90s digital alarm clock. Do you think it was Polaric e-ink? P-ink? Gross. Yeah, that was gross, okay. They're not octopi. That's actually wrong, it's octopodes. I think that's also wrong. It's squid, but do it. Yes. <laughs> no, octopus actually also. Oh, they also have eggs? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's not octopi because it's a Greek word, not a Latin word. So it's octopods. Octopo- octopodes would probably be the anglic- anglicization of it, but octopodes would be it if you were ancient Greek. This has been a rousing episode of Octopus or Not Weekly. <laughs> And I probably butchered that, too, so if you're an ancient Greek, feel free to write in and tell us how wrong I am. Or a, <laughs> or a Minoan, yes. Well, Minoan is an ancient Greek, so... And then? And then, uh, Tom Paris, uh, goes to put the clock back, and suddenly is transformed to a bright, sunny area, but strangely enough, the window where he put the clock back is still broken. I had not noticed that. But did you see that he took a little jump to the left? Did he? Yeah, and then he takes a step to the right. I definitely saw the pelvic thrust. (laughs) And then he and Chainway do the time Warp again. Yes, they do. This time for reals. Whereas before, Paris was just getting a glimpse because the subspace pockets were floating around like icebergs. Yes. <laughs> uh, whereas before, he just got a glimpse of the past, and he and he then relays this to the rest of the away team that it was you know was a bright sunny day, and how he was saying it struck me as kind of odd. I can't quite put my finger on it, but just so, like it's almost like he himself like heard what he was saying and was. Like the rest of the away team is sort of like, did Tom get enough sleep last night? Is Tom getting a little loopy? Mm. And it's almost like Tom, while he's saying this, is also thinking, am I getting a little loopy? Yeah. So then when he and Janeway are both transported, a little kid sees them and screams. He says the demons. Yes. And the uh, security or police or whatever you want to call them. I. don't uh, know. He's got earmuffs on. <laughs> Yeah. Is this is weird. Same uniform as the people that were guarding the Yeah. But anyway, the the security person comes over and asks what's wrong. Kid says he sees demons. He's like, That's crazy, there's no demons. And he tells the kid to run off and eat a confection bar. Like you do. So I think we should at some point here mention the weird costumes. Are you talking about how everyone's dressed in fall foliage colors? Yeah. With and corsets? Yes that they're all wearing... The stripes vary from person to person. Yeah. But they're all wearing exactly the same corset. Well, I mean, obviously different shapes for different bodies, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Don't. Because you can't say they're all wearing the same thing, except for all the ways that it's not the same. (laughs) They're all wearing the exact same style of cut. They they all have the same cut of clothing. Yeah. That I'm with you on. And that just seems... It's possible we could have that with a monoculture, especially in sci-fi. I'm about to say, is this going to be our new? And why do they all speak English? Ooh, like oh, and why do they all have a monoculture on this planet? Yes, I think it should be. Who's your favorite? Who's who's your least favorite character in it Neelix, <laughs> but it's Cass. <Kes. laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think that we, uh, yeah, that must be our thing. Uh, did you notice mm-hmm. that some of the men are wearing uh, kilts? Effectively, uh, I mean they're not pleated, but they're wearing yeah, but almost, they're uh, but they're also wearing leggings. It's sort of like an apron almost. Apron, well, no, because it goes around the back, so it's it, it's almost similar to um, they're wearing tunics. Is that a tunic? It goes down that low. I think so. Okay. Well, I was thinking it was. It, I I see it in um. Sometimes I watch uh, Indian music videos. Okay. Yeah, and like some Indian men and uh, Middle Eastern men, like that's their attire as well. Yeah, like leggings or long pants on underneath, and I guess I guess it's a tunic. I think it's a tunic, it's like down to their knees. It's still a tunic. Uh, these, the things these people are wearing are are above the knee. Okay, but it's not, like it's in like around the knee region. I think it can be. I'm now googling tunic. The tunic is any of several types of garments for the body. And <laughs> you're going to love this. It reaches from the shoulders to a length somewhere between the hips and the ankles. <laughs> so a tunic is a piece of cloth that covers your body to some degree. Yes. Nice. Well, from the shoulders down. So I guess I think like sweatbands or tunics. And dresses are tunics. Okay. So now we know. So yes, they're wearing tunics, but so... Could you know so many other things be tunics, but anyway, yeah. There, but it's the it's the corsets. I guess it's cool that they went with something different for them, but it just makes it stand out all the more because they went with something different and then also made it all the same. Yeah, I I, I, I can see that. And it comes up because the security guy is confused about their clothing. He asks if that's what they're wearing from the from. Calto province, because they they told him they came in on the continental transport. Yes, and it seems okay. That's fine. Yeah, obviously it makes sense they would notice different clothing, especially when everyone's wearing the same clothing. Mm-hmm. But then when they go to the store and buy other clothing, which apparently they traded, because you also see the Voyager uniforms I didn't, in the window. Yeah. So they're still wearing their com badges. Uh huh. No one else has anything like that or any sort of variation like that? No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, they could have at least like I don't even I don't even think I saw anyone like wearing any necklaces or anything, so they can't even... The know. only thing is that some people were wearing that like headband. I saw the headband. That was odd. With the two But yeah, definitely no jewelry. So that It just it seems like the combat just sort of stick out. Yeah. Now, just before they... But they did manage to hide their phasers... In their and... little purses. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, they have their little purses. They do have little purses. They could have put the comm badges in the little purses. Yeah, but how would we know that those are our Starfleet heroes? Because they're played by Kate Mulgrew and Robert Duncan McNeil. Which one's which? I can't tell without the comm badges. Uh, and Jamie let her hair down. It's all confusing. <laughs> so I think it was just before they swapped out their clothes that paris has the clock conversation yes so with the with the clock conversation he goes up to the guy the the storekeeper and the guy's like oh you're looking for a new timepiece and first of all their shops are weird so they have this outdoor display case but the shopkeepers like hanging out outside i don't yeah, is that it's, a stall or something. It seems a little strange. And it like, unlocks the display case to pull out the one timepiece inside the display. Case. And the case is clearly like an enclosed. It's not like part of a larger store. Yeah, it de- it definitely did not look like it. I mean, maybe it had a removable back so it could be accessed from within the store or something. Assuming there's a store or something, but it, it was very very strange. Anyway, so he pulls the clock out, and Tom does this. Bad job of being like I don't know how clocks work on this planet, but I'm actually from this planet, so I don't know how clocks work. It's like, well, they work the same here as they do in Calto Province. Oh, do they? Explain them to me anyway. So we have rotations, intervals, and fractions. Yes. And what does the time read? Three seven one for rotations. Twenty intervals. Eighty fractions. Okay, so it was four ten twenty two. Yes. Something. It was four ten and twenty two. Okay, or four hundred something. Four oh one, yeah. Four oh one twenty two. Hold on, oh, I hadn't, I had It was four oh one twenty two eighty four. Okay, so it's like, and he he's like, okay, cool, and like that's the like that's the whole conversation is like, this is rotations, this is intervals, this is fraction, mm-hmm. and he goes back to Janeway and says, if I have this right, it's gonna happen tomorrow. What? Yeah. So first off, how do we know, how do our intrepid heroes know how long a rotation is? That doesn't matter. Oh, I guess it wouldn't, now would it? No, because what really matters is how do our intrepid heroes know how these people actually track time? And and how do they break up time? And hold on, if we're doing rotations, wouldn't that actually say that there's 30 days? Unless they're being wrong. And doing rotation to mean revolution. So each revolution's a day. Okay. The Earth is revolving on its axis. Mm Mm-hmm. And each time it revolves is a day. Yeah. Each rotation around the sun is a year. Right. A month is just... A month is arbitrary. A month is nothing. Right. A week is arbitrary. A month is... Well, a month is close to... Uh, a lunar. lunar phase, but yeah, not yeah, quite. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, and based on lunar phase makes it slightly less arbitrary, but still pretty arbitrary. Uh-huh. Like, the only thing that's not completely arbitrary is to say when the sun gets back here tomorrow, we're gonna call that a day. Yes. That's still sort of arbitrary, but it's like less than the rest of mm-hmm. them. But we don't have any of that information. Right. And how are we supposed to know that they just, like, Count up ad infinitum. Mm-hmm. How do we know their numbers work the same as ours? Uh, right. So, what? And, and what the heck kind of timekeeping system is this? Where today it's going to be, like, 350 through 380 ro- uh, rotations, and then tomorrow's going to be 381 through But how could rotation. it be more than one rotation per day? Uh, that's just a word they're using. That's not important. What's more important is just the idea that it's like... Who who keeps time this way? These people. These people are wrong. That's why they blew themselves up. Except they didn't. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Or are we? (laughs) That's another thing I want to talk about. The time travel in this one was whacked. Yes. This is also the second time travel episode in three episodes. (laughs) Well... That's going to be, like, a running theme in this one. I mean, not nearly as bad as Enterprise. But no, yeah, not quite as bad as Enterprise. Around. Voyager's where we first get the hints of the Starfleet of the future and, and the Temporal, Temporal Prime, Prime Directive. Directive. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, which is basically, like, their replacement for Q. Except they also have Q. I forgot all that there was Q in Voyager. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so... After the whole clock thing and then changing out clothes yes we're back on Voyager. Yes we are We're in the ready room and we have all sorts of techno babble all the techno babble It's not the ready room, it's the conference room whatever And we find out with polaric shockwaves, it's about the conference Yes and Harry goes through this whole long spiel about so as soon as we locate and isolate a polaric fracture. And we polarically scan the polaric f- fracture. We will pull a crack open the polaric fracture. And Wait, is it a polaric other- fracture? Yes, and then like a couple other polaric steps in there in the process as well. And then there's like a brief conversation, and then Tuvox says, "So how do you propose we do that?" And Kim replies, "We have no idea." And Up until that point, it felt like Kim was going through Starfleet standard operating procedure for when your crew people are trapped on the other side of a Polaric shockwave cone. Hey, you don't know. That might actually be. Well, maybe it is now. Maybe it's the Kim maneuver now. Oh, God. But, like, he goes through this Eh, whole thing. Still better than the Riker maneuver. Commander, if one of their weapons hits that gas! our only way out of here, Mr. Daniels. Wouldn't be surprised if history remembers this as the Riker maneuver. If it works. <laughs> yeah. He goes through this whole thing, like all these steps they're going to do, and then it's like, how are we going to do these steps? I don't know. Well. So, then we go to Bay, where Robert Picardo is, well, his usual Robert Picardo self. And the doctor is scanning Cass and discovers that her brain is not on file and learns that they joined the ship mid-voyage and that there's an entire new crew as well. Well, a- a- another crew has joined them as well. Yeah. And he goes to talk to Captain Janeway about this and learns that she's disappeared on a planet. And he utters the best line of the episode, which is, it seems I found myself on the voyage of the damned. <laughs> that is probably the best line of the episode. I mean, I did really like their demons. <laughs> <laughs> What about, we are demons, we eat kids for breakfast, and I'm hungry. Uh, yeah, no, I, I actually really liked the, uh, the the, the sick bay mm-hmm. sequence. Um, I I The doctor is the highlight of pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah. But I really, I, I felt that his bedside manner was actually surprisingly cordial. Yeah, especially for season one EMH. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, everyone should drink plenty of fluids. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to call me in the morning. Right. <laughs> Your brain will make a fine addition to our files. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but like, the the one thing that jumped out at me was probably, uh, you know, way to assume highest ranking officer who's not missing gender. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, I don't know how far down the chain of command you'd have to go until you hit B'Elanna. Yeah, I don't know. Because she's not command division, so... Okay, that's fine, but what is... Uh, she's lieutenant. Yeah. Technically, the same grade as Tom Paris. Yes. Like The same seniority, on board, the same time. And Tom Paris is a bridge officer, so he would probably come first. You think he would come ahead, like, head of engineering? Yeah. As helmsman? Like, I recognize he's a bridge officer, but... I think he would. Uh Maybe. Be, just because of the way they, they've done things on other Star Treks. Okay. I think it would a- absolutely be Tuvok would be after Chakotay. Oh, yeah, obviously. But here's the real question. Would it be Belana or Harry Kim? That is a good question. Because Harry Kim's a bridge yeah. officer. We actually do see Harry taking a command shift in the middle of the night in one episode, and we never see Belana doing a command shift. Because she's busy fixing the warp. So it might actually be Harry. Because there's a... We learn in TNG that you actually have to have taken the bridge officer test, the command test, to to be in the line of command. Okay, do you think Tom Paris did? I don't know. Right. Chakotay probably did. Chakotay probably did. Because I think he was a former... He was a, certainly a former Starfleet officer. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, above lieutenant. Yeah, Tuvok certainly did. Yeah. Harry Kim probably hasn't, since he's fresh out of the academy. Yeah, yeah well, like I said. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. I don't even know who would be after Tubac. I don't think it ever comes up. Uh, much, much later, we have the ECH. Yes. Yes, we do. Complete with that awesome little yeah, pips yeah, yeah. appearing on his collar. I love that. What was the name of that weapon? Oh, something cannon. Yeah. Photonic cannon. I think it was photonic yeah. cannon. Yeah. yeah. Computer, activate the photonic cannon. Yes, it's photonic cannon. All right. That's such a good episode, too. (laughs) Yeah. Just, like, from start to finish. Anyway. So back to this episode. Yes. Which is a... Mediocre. Yeah, no, it really is. It's... I mean, it's fine. I... I've seen worse. I've seen better. Yeah. uh, I mean, my... So here is probably my biggest beef with this episode. Mm -hmm. With a lot of time travel, time loop stories, it's sort of that well, we went to that planet and did this thing because we then, and then got sent back in time, and we have always been destined. We are part of this loop that, like, if it had been that the shockwave happened, they went to investigate, and traveled back in time. Like, and this works better if, like, the planet didn't, like everyone didn't die mm. but it's that yeah the shockwave happens you go back in time like you go to investigate you get sent back in time you realize while back in time oh no we're the ones who caused the shockwave and you have to cause the shockwave again mm. yeah that's a otherwise thing that happens. how did you end up back there well that's why they disappear at the end right but <laughs> <laughs> how did the shockwave happen in the first place yeah yeah, no, that's. If uh... they're not always there to cause the shockwave, how did it happen the first time? Well, it didn't. Wait, we... yeah, I don't know. Right. Timeline timeline. This is no time to argue about time. We don't have the time. We have the time. Okay, we do. <laughs> it's timelines. You're right to this timelines. We've had we've had this exact <laughs> thing before. Yes, we have, and we will continue to have it time and again. <laughs> Yes, we will, probably. <laughs> I mean that's... That said, some of some really good Voyager episodes have time travel. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Year of Hell. Yeah. Year of Year of Hell was pretty good. Is that a three parter? Two parter. Okay. There were no three parters in Voyager. Okay. That's just Enterprise that did all the three parters. Right, right, right. And then the Futures End, of course, which is another two parter. When they go back in time to the nineties and meet Sarah Silverman. Yes, that is Sarah Silverman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and like the like the the technologist, I can't know. I don't know the actor's name. He's a total that guy. Ed, Ed Begley Jr. Yes, Ed Begley Jr. He played a senator on The West Wing, and he has, don't say. And he has this rather contentious lunch with with uh, with with Toby Ziegler. Yes, he does. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to time and again. Yes. we learn that part of their plan to locate the crew Mm -hmm. is to hope that they're going to set up their com badges to create a subspace signal which we then find out is actually starfleet standard operating procedure yes and janeway does it yes so here's the other thing we have the scene in engineering when they're testing out the polaric yeah. yeah, so they say this is a polaric generator. It creates the same polaric energy that that destroyed the planet. Right. And they just turn it on. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering about that. <laughs> I was also wondering about this idea that we can only use it at any given location once. I guess it, like... Because it damages subspace? So it's totally cool to do this right next to the warp core then, right? What, do they say it damages subspace? Or does it, like, seal the polaric cones? <laughs> No, I think they say it damages subspace. Once we make an attempt at any given location, the damage to subspace will make a second attempt impossible. So, the fact that they're doing this three feet from the freaking warp core. Eh. (laughs) Anyway. Warp cores are for other people. So, yeah. We have that. But, anyway, you know, it just seems weird that they would just turn this thing on. They could have explained that they have this without turning it on. Right. So, I mean, let's, let's jump forward to... Uh, There's a bit of a scuffle outside the power plant. Yep, which Paris and Janeway have found by following the Polaric Energy Distribution Network. Yes. And no one was curious about them just hanging out, kneeling next to the Polaric Conduits for, like, two minutes? That was weird. I bet the kid was watching through the bushes. What's the kid's name? Latika. They all have silly names. Well, they're aliens. Yeah, but I respect that they have, like, genuinely sort of, like, Generally weird alien names, not getting like too weird. It's just like a combination of letters that one wouldn't expect to see. Well, you know, aliens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a scuffle at the power plant, and Janeway and Paris decide to walk right into the scuffle. Yeah, which seemed weird. They're they're strange. Sure. So Janeway gets knocked down by a security officer and. Some of the people that were involved in the scuffle carry them, carry her away, and Paris follows. Well, like, not like maliciously carry her away, just right. Yeah, help get her out of the fray. Yeah, yeah. And then they get taken back to some house or something. Yes. And they've taken their tricorders and phasers off, like out of their satchels and lay them on the table. And my question is, you you find these weird gee-gaws, you press some button. Yeah. I would press the buttons. I would press the buttons. Yeah. I would totally press the button. You feel like the phasers surely have, like, some sort of, like, bio lock on them or something. I was wondering about that myself, actually. When I was making my note about it, I would totally press the buttons. I was wondering, but then again, do the phasers have a biometrics? They would have to, right? 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 Maybe? maybe like they only work within like a certain range of a no cuz we have seen people pick like non starfleet people pick up a fallen phaser and... oh that's true i guarantee you that has happened like 10 times in any given it star trek it definitely must have happened uh, right yeah they're like cuz it, it I, I don't think it ever gets brought up that, oh, this new generation of phaser has a biometric lock on it that mm-hmm. only works with accepted Starfleet personnel Well, they, they should, should have, have, have biometric have locks, locks on them. yes, they should Biometrics wasn't so out of left field they wouldn't have thought about it that time, but... surely you'd think maybe yeah. I don't know they didn't think about but anyway, I they would didn't totally... think about not uh about you know just sending information to everyone's pad instead of giving everyone thirty pads. <laughs> so maybe they're not yeah but anyway i would totally press yes at this point we can largely just run through it because it's all just yeah stuff happening yeah so they don't really trust paris and janeway for good reason i mean they're terrorists and they think they're sent to infiltrate them they being the people who have taken paris and janeway hostage not not paris and janeway being terrorists and speaking of them being taken hostage how wooden and ridiculous was janeway's i am a hostage oh god yes
1: that so was, yeah
0: yeah. So they the reason they think they are secret government spies is because they scanned them and discovered that they are laced in enough polaric energy that they either were in the polaric power plant yesterday, or were present at a polaric disaster worse than any of the planet has ever seen. Well, they're not wrong. They are in fact not wrong. So then we cut to the the surface in. The future, and Chakotay, Kes, Tuvok, and Torres are back on the planet, and they find mangled com badges. Yep, because apparently when a com badge gets badly damaged but not destroyed, obviously, yeah, it emits some sort of... So why didn't they detect this the first time they were on the planet? That's a good question. And you can't say it's because they weren't there yet, because Janeway and Paris hadn't gone back, because if Janeway and Paris had never gone back, the planet never would have been destroyed in the first place. We've had this conversation. Right. So it couldn't be like a time paradox thing, where they, were, they weren't there because of... Right. They weren't looking for them? I feel like this would be the sort of thing that would just, like, show up on a tricorder. Yeah. Or should be. It should be. Yeah. Anyway. While they're in the room where they find the mangled con badges, Kess Senses Janeway's presence And says Captain And Janeway hears her for a second Right, because it travels through a polaric cone Yes And they try to open the They try to open a hole But first they try to communicate Through the polaric hole Yes, polaric Mm, Yes. And since Chakotay's garbled voice Comes through the com badge The terrorists now think That the com badges are listening devices they're not wrong. Why would the listening devices talk? Okay, but the devices do listen. Okay, so they're not like a hundred percent wrong. No, but they're but the they're also not wrong to be like, whoa, hold on a second. I thought that was just jewelry. Well, they are. Yeah, no, they can certainly say, oh, that's a that's a radio or something. Yeah, but listening devices just seemed like a weird thing to say. And this is about when Janeway just decides to come clean and tell them the real story. Which surprises Tom, because he's like, wait, I thought we... Alright, fine. Oh, I'm sorry. We skipped oh, something. Yeah. The uh, the little kid shows up. Latika. Yes. Yes. Yes, Latika gets hauled in. Look who I found, skulking in the bushes. Sort of thing. He gets hauled in. And just... Now he's just there. Uh, I don't... It just... Yeah. He's just there. He's there so Paris can take a bullet for him later. Yeah, and Tom has like a bonding <laughs> moment with the kid, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. For what? I just am. Yeah. Sort of stuff. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, they don't believe her that she's from the future. I mean, would you? No. Right. So then they go off to the pa- the plant and just miss the Holeric appearing in the air. Yes. So then we are now in the plant which is uh apparently almost all of the planet scenes were certainly the outdoor ones were shot at a water treatment plant that makes a lot of sense based on and what about the interior scenes like where they are right now is that also the water treatment plant i think so yeah okay yeah uh that works yeah for the whole industrial sort of feel to it yeah uh yeah so they're in the they're in the uh treatment plant and the terrorists have a satchel, and they're doing things with stuff. Well, we, we do skip over the murdered guards. You're skipping over the murdered guards here? Yeah, whatever. They murder some guards. They do, and I suppose the Tom gets shot, like, oh, a little yeah. bit in the process. Because Janeway tries to tell the guards that she's a hostage. Well, she does tell the guards she's a hostage. It just doesn't... I am a hostage just does not go as well as she might have hoped it would. What was she expecting them to do? Like, they basically did what she was expecting them to do, just slower. Yeah. I'm a hostage, and they started reaching for their guns, but the terrorists were quicker in the draw, because the terrorists were already prepared for... Yeah, the terrorists run into the power plant and tell Janeway that the guards' lives are on her hands. Or on her hands. Yes. Or guards' blood. That. Something is on Janeway's hands, and it involves the guards. Yes. So anyway, so yeah, so now they're in the... Yeah, and they're doing stuff, and Janeway sneaks up and decides at some point to reveal herself and hold out a gun and tell them to give her the basket with her tools in it. Right. And they're like, no, why would we do that? Right. And Janeway's like, okay, then we'll just wait to prevent the disaster. They also reveal, because... She says that they're trying to blow it up, and they're like, "Why would we blow it up? That's dumb." Right. She had said, uh, "Well, I can only assume that you're here to detonate some sort of device." Hmm. Uh, and they're like, "Lady, are you mad?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, we're like polaric energy, but we're not morons, right? So, uh, and and it's around this time that a uh, a hilarity opens up. Right, because the because Kess has... They went to the source of the explosion, even though Tuvok says there's no logical reason to suspect that Janeway and Paris were ever there. Right. And Kess senses that this is where Janeway died. Yes. Uh, so they set up their machine, and they open up a fresh hilarity, and this is when Janeway has the realization that whatever she is doing is the cause of the explosion. Yes, because it looks like the hilarity is about to intersect with the conduit and cause a polaric explosion. Right, so she opts to fire her phaser. Yes. And here's a thing. Yeah. She fires the phaser. Torres says, we're getting some Nadion particle feedback. They should know that means that Janeway's firing her phaser. Because phasers work with Nadion, by emitting a stream of nadion particles. Are phasers the only things that will emit a stream of nadion particles? Okay, if it, they should have at least suspected. Why should they have suspected that a phaser was being fired? Because, at because poly- they know that that's what phasers emit. Okay. But why should they have suspected that that is what was interfering with their polaric generator? I mean, why what else would they think we were creating Nadions? I don't know. What else creates Nadions? That's why I'm asking what else creates nadeon. Uh occasionally you can also set, you can also create a Nadion burst with a deflector dish. Okay. So like those two things. According to Memory Alpha, those are the only two things that okay. mentions create. Well, it's it's the if you hear hoofbeats, think horses not zebras right, yeah, sort yeah. of thing. It's like we're getting Nadion interference, and yes, I recognize that phasers cause Nadion interference. But why the hell is there a phaser in that? Like, like even like in this conversation right now, so I, just like like I just feel like it should. I just feel like it should have been. She could have been like, "Oh, they're fire. She's firing her phaser. Turn it off." Well, even that would have been, I think, too much of a leap. But like, maybe someone's firing a phaser, but unfortunately, then we have equal parts of. You know, could Torres be like a super? intuitive savant or something and know oh she's firing the phaser turn it off or oh someone is firing a phaser maybe we need to amp it up Ooh, okay someone is trying to counteract our portal maybe they're nefarious we need to amp it up that's a good point anyway i there should have been some recognition of a possible phaser okay yeah i did not pick up on that at all were you aware that phasers produced nadions? idiots no because apparently that's what it is. Nadeon is an artificially generated particle. Okay. Among other uses, phasers and disruptors produced nadions when they were fired. Anyway. So Janeway closes the polarity with her phaser to prevent it from causing the explosion and then every and then they all disappear. Yeah, like the whole screen flashes basically. Yeah. And we're back to the bridge. Yes. Uh, well, I think that about wraps it up for me on this yeah. one. I don't have any more notes. Do you? No. Uh, uh, Memory Alpha talks about uh, when... So the one thing Memory Alpha has that Stargate Wiki doesn't is it has from... Because er, there have been so many interviews about Star Trek over the years. Pretty much every episode has comment has notes from what the people who made the episode think about the episode. And apparently with this one, it was sort of a... It could have been much better than it was. Yes, it could have been i agree i i I also agree yeah i do for whatever reason have very clear memories of watching this as a kid was it because of the corsets or did you feel that you were in autumn and you really would have done well in those clothes (laughs) (laughs) i i honestly didn't remember the clothes at all from a kid from being a kid. I just remember watching this episode because this was I I remember watching a lot of season one for whatever reason because they were on Saturday nights I think on the local NBC affiliate and yeah. Take us out. So uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to us ramble on about time and again again. If you want to reach out to us tell us what you think about our thoughts on time and again or what your thoughts on time and again are. Or anything else about Voyager or really anything at all, you can send us an email at DeltaFlyerpod at gmail You can reach us on Twitter, which is probably your best bet, which is at DeltaFlyerpod. We do have a Facebook page, it's just Delta Flyer Podcast. You can obviously go to our website, DeltaFlyerpod.com. Individually, I am at Tyrannicus on Twitter, where I mostly talk about Star Trek. I am at Gammicus on Twitter, where I mostly just retweet things. Feel free to send notes to either of us, both of us, or the podcast. Absolutely. We really want to get your feedback on this. Uh, the episodes will be going up. For anyone who is uh, doing a little bit of a, you know cross-network listening, not that we have a network or anything, but you know what I'm saying, and ha- know us from Stargate Weekly, the pod; these episodes are going to be going up a lot uh, quicker to, to when we record them. So, if you have any feedback for us, there's a possibility that you actually might hear a response from us a couple episodes later. So, definitely uh, chime in if you have anything you want to say. Yeah, uh, we've okay. got. Uh, what is our next episode? Next week, we're going to talk about phage. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to have something clever to say, and I don't. So, let's just. All I can say about phage is, it takes my breath away. Good night! Computer! Activate the Illudium Q36 explosive space modulator! Fire! Where's the kaboom?